0: WSKY, Skyrock Rock Talk Radio, where the rock don't stop. Hey, town we're on the air, and I'm your voice behind the rock, and we're reaching our community, our city, our country with kindness. We're rocking at the speed of light, and I am Rockin' Raj, and we're starting profiling limousine rod jet flying and willing, dealing like no man can. So lock it in and rip that knob off. Remember, ROCK is an acronym. It's reaching our community, our city, our country with kindness. So welcome ladies and gentlemen to the place for perseverance, passion, purpose, struggles and breakthroughs, friendships and new beginnings. The place that changes the way we live. We've been diving into setbacks that were really set up for major success stories. We found people, incredible people, amazing people that are exactly like you and me, but they've done a few things a little bit differently, a little bit longer, and that's what's made them amazing. Always remember, we're one small decision away from our next success story. This is season one, episode 11, and let me thank you for joining us, for giving us feedback, words of encouragement. Thank you for subscribing to our YouTube channel. You can also hear us on Spotify and Anchor. We're in this together, ladies and gentlemen. We're coming together to build the strongest rocking, reaching our community, our city, our country with kindness movement that social media in this area has ever seen. Because the more we share our story, the more lives we can change. So thank you for joining this movement. Join our Facebook group, WSKY Skyrock Talk Radio. Hit us up on our website, skyrocktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and show some love by clicking that support link on our website because every dollar counts towards spreading kindness. And always remember this, it doesn't matter where we start, it's where we finish that counts. No, it's not a secret that we don't all get the same start in life because life just isn't fair no matter how much we try to level the playing field some people start off with supportive parents enough money for what they want a good education and a, and a, and a, and a, and a chance for a great future others however are not so fortunate maybe they're born into poverty some folks have a rough childhood because their families make them feel worthless or they have no good role models to show them what's possible. But we all know, ladies and gentlemen, that a great start doesn't always guarantee a great finish. How many of us know highly educated, smart people that have never lived up to their potential? Yet, how many of us know people that have had a rough start in life, yet they triumph against all odds? Because it doesn't matter where a person starts, It's what they do with that life that determines where they end up. Always remember that love and kindness, be kind and love always, person to person, one kindness at a time, and let's continue to reach our community, our city, and our country with kindness. And here I am, ladies and gentlemen, my guest this week on this episode has seen the Rat Peach Parish school system through the eyes of a teacher, an administrator, and a parent. He is currently furthering his education on the highest level to provide our teachers and our students and our parents the most contemporary methods used in today's education. And I'm talking about none other than the school board member candidate for District G, Mr. Bill Kristoff. Yes, Welcome. great Great to be here, thank you for having me. That's a lot of intro right there. (laughs) Uh, But let's make it clear that District G covers the Alexandria Senior High School and all of its feeder schools, which include Brain Middle School, Cherokee Elementary, and J.B. Knightman, And there may be a few others. Um, Take us back, let's take us back for just a moment uh, you were, you are a Louisiana native. You grew up in New Roads, Louisiana. Yes. And you've been in Red Peach Parish for 18 years. Take us back. Talk to us a few minutes about some obstacles, some setbacks that
1: just growing up that you had to overcome. Of course. Well, New Roads is a is a fairly small town because it's grown since I left there, but. New Rose is a small town, and just like with a lot of small towns, it's a lot of people that don't get out. A lot of people in small towns end up staying there, and for several reasons. Um, I ended up getting out because I wanted to see more of the world. I wanted to see what else I can do. And actually, just within my family, they were scared of me, just like most small town families, they didn't want me to get out. Just like everybody else, they wanted me to stay in town, you know, live close, and not really venture. And it seems like that creates kind of a, kind of a, a cycle. You know. If you do it, then the kids do it, then that kids do it, and nobody never really ventures out. Um, throughout my childhood, I was told a lot of times where, especially coming from a small town, you can't compete with other people. Uh, I was always told what I couldn't do. And it wasn't necessarily from my parents. It was from teachers, it was from family members, and anybody that was, I would say, scared venture out and you know that didn't sit well with me. I, I wanted a little bit more. I didn't want to get caught up in the in the same trap. I wanted to go out and do some things and see some things so I can bring back things to my community. So that's um that's kind of how I got my start. Um small town. I loved it out there. New Rose New Rose is a, a real beautiful place. And I try to get back there as often as I can because my family, the majority of them are still still live there. But uh, being one of the first Um, people in my family to go to college, I got a chance to see more. And the more I saw, the more I wanted. And so that's kind of the setup for me continuously wanting some more.
0: You've also invested in in the community by serving as a classroom teacher, an assistant principal, an educational leader on multiple levels, including middle school, high school, college, and even adult education and you have a passion for education, and you're committed to a standard of excellence. Yes. You've received your bachelor's degree in music education from Southern University, a master's in educational leadership from Louisiana State University, and you're currently pursuing a doctorate in higher education administration from the University of Louisiana in Lafayette. Yes, sir. And you live in Alexandria with your daughter, who, by the way, is a student in Rapids Parish School System. You attend Calvary Baptist Church. You've played the trombone and the bass guitar. Yes. You are an orchestra member, and you have been the conductor at Calvary Baptist Church for the last 16 years. Yes, sir. Let me take a moment and say thank you for your service. You're welcome, very welcome. You, You are a veteran in the U.S. Marine and the U.S. Army. Let me uh, read something that you've recently posted and for you to kind of share a little more about this. You just recently posted because of the pandemic, math and reading scores have dropped drastically overall, but more so among students from already struggling backgrounds. You are doing a dissertation research that's focusing on at-risk students. And you're recognizing the achievement gap and you're coming up with current solutions and methods and practices to address a
1: population that is sometimes overlooked but should be a primary focus. Yes, indeed. So at-risk students, uh, for some that may not know what an at-risk student is, um, students are considered at-risk when they have uh, the potential or most likely to, to fail. And so, those students come from a variety of backgrounds, it can be single parent, it can be, uh, you know, backgrounds of abuse, you know, a variety of different things. But these students, for some reason, um, have higher potential to fail. These are the type of students that I deal with every single day. And I think it's an overlooked population because we focus a lot on the higher achievement because it's easier to do, but the ones that are more of a struggle, uh, we tend to stay away from. So... My dissertation is on at-risk students and how they relate to higher education. I'm looking into the backgrounds of why they're at risk, um, the types of people that are at risk, the reasons for being at risk, and why do these students not go to to college? What's the percentage of them going to college? What are the barriers that keep them from college? And what are the supports that help them go to college? And we're not talking about, we're talking about um, four-year universities and also technical colleges. In HBCUs, PWIs, and all higher education institutions. So that that's my research. And I've been getting some uh, I've been finding some very great things. And actually, one of the, the term at risk was coined, I believe, in 1983, but it was an article called A Nation at Risk. Mm-hmm. And it was talking about the achievement gap, and it was talking about um, you know, the, the ed- educational levels of youth. And it was called a nation at risk. So that's how that, coined, um, that term was coined, thus we have at-risk youth um, you know, deriving from
0: that. Now one of the things, as a school board member, you, you want to get away from the old ideas, the old policies, the old frame of mind yes. and upgrade to more modern practices and uh, work to improve the district with the, uh, the most, uh, most up-to-date practices. Because l- let's be honest, if, if the old ideas and policies and frame of mind worked, we wouldn't be in this condition we're in right now. Yes.
1: Uh, I believe we have, to, we have to meet students where they are. We have to. Um, we can set the level of expectation, but that level will never be met if we don't meet them where they are. For instance, um, going all the days of sitting in a classroom with lectures. going all the days of, of textbooks, You know, everything is kind of technology driven now. And although textbooks are and books are really important, we have to meet students where they are. Again, I have a daughter that's that's a, a freshman in high school right now. And even though I have a bookshelf and they're full of books, of course, she would rather read on the iPad. So the two problem areas that we see a lot in education is math and reading. So a student that doesn't want to read, I can't shove a book in his face and say, hey, read this. But I can gain this interest by this electronic book, and he will, he will start getting interested in this book and starting to read more because I've met him where he was. Then I can lead them to, hey, take a look at this hard copy. Let's go to the library. Let's get a Kindle. So this, that's, one, that's one of the things. I'm, I'm all about meeting students where they are to get them where we want them to be. Uh
0: So far, just what we've shared, uh, you are definitely highly qualified, highly certified, highly invested. Uh, You most definitely have the background and expertise to get get it done. Uh, Like you've recently posted, uh, the educational community consists of parents, students, and teachers, and you definitely represent all three. Uh, let's not forget that your ballot number is 70. Yes, yes. So anybody that's voting ballot number 70 is Mr. Bill Kristoff. Uh, you are a veteran of two branches of service, and you're no stranger to hard work. Right. And as a United States Marine, you've learned to adapt, you've, and you've learned to overcome in any situation. And as a soldier in the united states army having high standards and relentless work ethics embedded in you every day these skills along with a with your no-nonsense mission-driven mindset are just some aspects that make you the perfect candidate for district g yes sir and so what you want to do is you want to serve and you want to fight for our schools just as honorable as you have served
1: and still fight for this country. Yes sir, by, by all means. Um, being, being, a, being a military man and an, edu- and an educator, I mean, th- those are some, you're gonna work in both of those professions. You're gonna work. And I get up every day. I get up every morning, I get up early. And I, I make a plan, I execute my plan, and I fight hard. I make goals every single day. I make goals for myself. I make goals for my family. I make goals for the students that I interact with. I make goals for the teachers that I interact with. I try to set the standard as high as we can by meeting people where they are so we can get them to where we are, where we want them to be. Um, If I can talk a little bit about my educational background. So again, I'm I'm a native New Rose. I came to Alexandria in 2004. First year teacher, 22 years old. And I was a music teacher. My first degree is in music education. I taught in the classroom for 10 years. And the reason why I wanted to get into administration was because some of the decisions that were made were not made in the interest of the teacher. So I wanted to be that person that fought for that person that was in the classroom like myself. So that motivated me to be an assistant principal. Um, my background as a high school teacher, a high school administrator, a junior high teacher, and a junior high administrator, uh, I think gives me, makes me more than qualified in order to make the correct decisions for the students and the teachers. And being a current parent, and that's, that's my thing. Everything I do is current. I'm currently still in the field of education, working every day. Um, I currently, vested in Rapids Parish, have a daughter. I currently, I, I, come, I come to the school board with several different perspectives. The perspective of a teacher, because I currently um, am a professor at Louisiana Christian University. I currently, with, with the perspective of a principal, I'm over a military organization where we deal with at-risk youth. I currently come as a perspective of a parent. Again, I have a daughter that's in our system, and I can even say the perspective as a student, because as we mentioned, I'm still in school myself. So I think these different perspectives give me um, an all-around aspect Mm -hmm. in order to make the correct decisions for for everybody. Uh, One of the things that
0: you uh, have uh, posted, one of your commitments was fairness of all schools. Speak on what, what, what you
1: mean by that. So being in the system and also being in the system or from the inside looking out and outside looking in and talking with people, teachers, principals, everybody, that was a concern that came up several times. That, that made it to my commitment list because it seemed like this was one of the things. Uh, a lot of people don't feel that every school is treated the same. They don't get the same amount of opportunities, maybe because of the, the area that they're in or whoever's in uh, administration. So I want to make sure that all our schools are treated exactly the same. We have the same opportunities. We have the same um, types of programs. And I know school cultures differ from school to school. So the programs based on the culture may not be the same, but we can have different programs, but make sure we have the same funding to fund these different programs and everything these programs need in order to flourish. Um, I don't think that one school should have an abundance of funds that are given and other schools have the same program and it's, it's a lesser program and that's that's all around that, that, that goes for programs that goes for technologies that goes for resources that our teachers need and that goes for all around and again that, that came as uh, that came as a perception that teachers parents and administrators told me about that's how that made it to my list and I And if it's a concern for the people, I definitely want to know.
0: And and, and another commitment that that you have posted is social, emotional health of students and teachers. Yes. Because students today face very complex issues. There are a multitude of non-educational factors that are vital to their overall well-being. And these factors play an important role in their learning process. And likewise, it's essential to make sure that our educators are healthy mentally and physically so they can perform to their highest capacity. And realizing this, detecting these early warning signs of stress and depression and anxiety will put us in a better place to put measures in place. And this will help us catch these early signs and better deal with these factors if they occur. Uh,
1: Talk a little bit more about the social, emotional health of students and teachers. Yes, this is huge. It's huge. As you know, uh, let's talk about students first. Students deal with many more issues today than you and I probably deal with in school. You know, with increasing social media and everything, they just, the world is open to them. So they deal with with so many more issues. Um, And teachers deal with the same because they have to deal with our students. So social emotional health is, is is big. Just like we just like you said, depression, anxiety. Um that's I'm not gonna say it's just not coming to light, but we're starting to get more awareness because mental health is becoming a bigger issue. Um several things, because I talk with counselors about this as well. Several things come to mind when we talk about the social emotional health of students and teachers, and these can go for both. Um we need to we need to educate our teachers and students on these different times. We need to have wellness checks for our teachers and our students. We need to recognize, hey, it looks like you're having a uh, not so good day today. What's going on? Come and talk to me. We need to stress self-care for teachers and students. That's the first thing, self-care. Um, I think we need to have mental health days implemented along with sick days and everything else. We need to have mental health days. Um, we need to have counselors and I don't mean the school counselors, because I know the school counselors have a lot to deal with, with the schedules and tests and everything else. I'm talking about, you know, actual like, mental health counselors to come inside our schools um, and teach some life coping skills, teach um, suicide prevention, teach about depression, teach about anxiety, so we know those signs. I mean, from talks like that, you may have students in the class that are dealing with these things, but are not saying anything because they think nobody understands. So we have actual counselors to come in the room to teach about these things, Uh, have more awareness, I think we can get more feedback, and people start to open up more about uh, about their depression, about their anxieties, about the things that uh, that bother them, because, again, we want to make sure our teachers are healthy, our teachers are happy. We want them to perform at the the highest capacity, so they can get our students to perform at the highest capacity. We want the students to be healthy and happy, so they can perform at their highest capacity. That's, that's a huge thing for me. And, again, years ago, this wasn't looked at as it is now. But more awareness. We're starting to see more signs. We're starting to see more effects of mental, mental illness and mental health. And what will happen if we don't recognize that? So that's, that's a bigot for me. Uh, another okay. commitment is teacher recruitment mm-hmm. and
0: teacher retention. Yes. Support, appreciation, and safety. Because not just in Red Pete's Parish, not just in Louisiana, but all over the country, teacher shortages are affecting classroom production. Because our teachers are valuable and they're needed. Because it is our responsibility to treat teachers as the professionals they are, show them they are appreciated, and also provide them with the resources needed to serve students with the best education possible. And it's very simple. Teachers love to teach, so instead of giving them a hard time, giving them more paperwork, giving them an oversized classroom, you want to provide them with resources, peace of mind, and real incentives. Yes. And um, that's going to be one of your uh, strong points. Here is those those incentives. Um, you want to give a give them a school board member that understands and has experienced their struggles and their frustrations because you are currently on the front lines of education yes. dealing with those issues right now hands on and and and, and our, our teachers need everyone to know more than ever that uh, you're in the process right now of outlining those those um in, in incentives yes. in,
1: in those plans. You want to add up to that? Yeah. I want to first say that everybody's saying that there's a teacher shortage. There's a teacher shortage. I don't think that there's a shortage. We have a lot of educators. They're just not in our classrooms. And also, whenever there's a shortage of something, the value of that item goes up. There can be a shortage of bananas. The price of bananas is going to go up. Gas. Gas is going to go up. So why isn't it the same way for educators? Why isn't, if there's a teacher shortage... Why isn't the value of our educators going up? You see what I'm saying? Gotcha. So that, that's that's a big thing. So we don't have a shortage. We have a lot of teachers. They're just not in the classroom. They don't want to come back to the profession. And I want to make educational profession to be desired again. Um, Incentive-wise, and that, that's the way to do it. We need incentive. We need things that's going to bring people to the profession of education, bring people to our community, and keep them here. Um, I've said this before. Uh, New Orleans right now is implementing an incentive where they're giving eligible teachers up to $65,000 towards the purchase of a home and up to another $5,000 towards closing costs. What does that do? It brings people to our community. And once you're buying at home, you're going to stay for a while. Um, so we're looking for teachers that are going to be here 10, 15 plus years. And we're making an investment in our teachers, in our community, they're making an investment in the home, it's, it's all around. And I think that's one of the best incentives starting out that we can get. I mean, if we're giving incentives for, uh, for home purchase, that's, that's building wealth, that's building a sense of community, and that's grounding them to come and stay with us. And once we get them, and now they're here, we need to keep providing them with the resources that they're gonna to need to stay, such as some of the things we said before, making sure that mentally they're okay, physically they're okay. Uh, give them the resources that they need. Teachers shouldn't have to go out of pocket that much, spending their own money to buy resources for their classrooms. Let's give them the resources. Let's I mean, we we find funds for any and everything else. Why can't we find the things that are going to? I mean, teachers don't want a whole lot. They just want the things that they can use for their rooms. I think we need to give certain. We need to give departments a certain budget that they can buy different resources with. Give classrooms a certain budget. I mean, we need to furnish this. I mean, teachers teachers are coming out of their pocket way too much for everything. Now, we're not getting paid, and I say we because, again, I'm still a teacher, we're not getting paid nowhere near as much as we're worth. So, and if we can't get the funds to uh, increase salaries, let's make the funds increase for uh, resources, anything that we need for the classrooms.
0: You uh, also posted the most important aspect for students to learn and that's having teachers in the classrooms that inspire and make students want to learn. Teacher recruitment and retention is a big deal. It is also an aspect that is often overlooked. You uh, go on to say, show me a happy teacher, and I'll show you a class full of students that are inspired, excited, and hungry
1: for knowledge. Yes, everybody, no matter who you are, what you do, where you work, you have that teacher and you can call him out by name right now that was your favorite teacher that inspired you to do something in the classroom. I don't care who you are, you have that teacher. You know him. You can call their name. Mine was was Mr. Herbert. Mr. Herbert. He inspired me to do a lot of different things and and maybe more than one. it's several. So again, show me a happy teacher. Show me a teacher that's happy to come to the classroom, that's happy to come to work today and just from just from the teacher's vibe the students are going to the students are going to like it i mean you you can have a student that doesn't like math doesn't like reading doesn't like that subject but if you have an inspirational teacher they're going to listen they're going to learn something and these are the people that we need in our classrooms we can't get these people in our classrooms without the proper incentive without the proper resources and again, all of this ties together i mean teacher and center uh, you know, all of this ties together i mean it's 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 simple but it it is complex the complexity of it is Getting everything we need for it it to tie together. But everything ties together. Let's make our teachers happy. Let's recruit, let's retain. Let's make sure they have the resources that they need. Let's make sure they have everything they need in order to do the jobs. Because right now, the lifespan of a teacher was about four years and then they're leaving the classrooms. That's a lot of time invested in their education, in their time, and in our system, and they're leaving us. We, We want longevity. We want to make sure people are happy to come to work. I mean, I'm fired up to go to work every day. And I'm fired up because I know I have to fire my staff up. And so hopefully my vibe, me getting up early and ready to go to work, ready to teach, ready to talk to the teachers, I want that to catch on to them. That catches on to them, they're happy. They're ready to go to work. They bring that vibe into the classroom. The the students are fired up. And that's what we need. We need education to be a profession that is desired. We need teachers in the classroom that are excited and ready to roll in order to inspire these teachers. Because the key to success is to train a successor. And that's what we need to do. We need to inspire people that want to be teachers. And, I'm, and again, I'm pretty sure anybody and everybody that's listening, they can think of that teacher that inspired them to do something. And that's what we need more of. Uh, and, and, and your
0: number one commitment is increasing academic performance and improving really?
1: discipline. Yes. Oh. Again, that, that's a big one. Now, again, all of this ties together because the way we increase academic performance is by what we just talking about. We have that teacher in the classroom that's inspiring. That teacher comes and that teacher is teaching every day. Your academic performance will come up. Now, of course, discipline is also a big deal in our classrooms. And as far as discipline was, when I was an assistant principal at one of the high schools here, uh, I implemented a tracking form. And this, it, it was for minor infractions. This implemented the student, the teacher, and the parent. So, if I can explain that real quick. Uh, so, if a student does something, a minor infraction, um, of course, that'd be kind of strike one, I guess you would say. The teacher would document what the student did, and the teacher would talk with him, counsel him, let him know what he did wrong, let him know the expectation, and reinstate the expectation so the student would know. All right? Uh, if the student does something again, the second time. Or the teacher would document that, and the teacher would also contact the parent and say, Mom or Dad or both, um, this is the second time I'm talking to you. See if I can get some help from you. This implements the parent. And so again, we document. So the first time, the teacher talks with him. The second time, the teacher talks with the parent in order to get some, uh, get some support for this type of behavior. Okay, uh, continuing on, if that doesn't work, the third time, that's when we document again. That's when it comes to the disciplinary office. That's that assistant principal, which at the time was me. I would reach out to the parent after step one, the teacher. After step two, teacher and parent. We go step three. I'm reaching out to the parent also to let you know, hey, um, we're still having an issue. And at that point, a disciplinary action would be uh, would be implemented, like an in-school suspension. While but while in in-school suspension, we're not just sitting there wasting time or writing. We're talking about the behavior. We're talking about what we can do to correct the behavior, and we're doing we're doing things to uh, so when a student comes back to the room, he realizes what's going on, realizes the consequence, and realizes what we need to do in order to not do that. So we're putting all these preventative measures in place. And we're not just kicking a student out of school right off the bat. We're we're going by steps to make sure the teacher is involved, the parent is involved, and the administration is involved. We're doing we're trying to do interventions. Now, if all of that doesn't work and something else happens and then we may have to do um, maybe a, a suspension because we've done we've talked to the teacher talked to the parent we've done in-school suspension where this last step if it gets that far which usually it really never did the uh, last step would, would possibly be an out-of-school suspension and so again by putting these preventative measures in place and doing these different things hopefully that can curb some behaviors because again I think uh, discipline wise we need to reinstate that expectation we need to let them know this is why we're doing this, and I think we'll get less pushback. If students know, okay, hey, I care about you, but we have to have consequences because when you get in the adult world, consequences will be brought. So I think we need to we need to let them know that we want to train you and we want to make sure by the time you leave high school that you have all the tools that you need in order to produce and be productive on the outside world as an adult. Uh, we have. We we have taken the time and
0: we've shared a lot. Uh, I want to I want I want to give you the final word. Uh, give us some contact info for people to reach out to you. Social media contact and for people to remember ballot number
1: seventy is Mr. Bill Christoph. Yes, sir. Wait, I definitely appreciate uh, you having me on your podcast. I mean, it was great. Um, hopefully, you can you can tell that I. I speak with some passion, and I'm very, I'm very committed to what it is that we do. Um, I do think that it's time for a new era of leadership. It's time for uh, it's time to modernize some of our ideas, our thoughts, and our actions. And again, I think I'm more than qualified in order, to, in order to do this. Everything I do right now is current. I'm still, I'm still on the front lines in every aspect. I'm, I'm, re- I'm willing to work, and I have longevity. I'm going to be here for a while. I mean, I'm I'm old enough to know how things were, and I'm young enough to know how things need to be. And I'm going to be here for a while. So when it's when it's time to come and vote, remember number 70. Vote for vote for longevity. Vote for experience, and vote for vote for someone that's current. Uh, I like everybody to check out my Facebook page. If you go to Facebook, it's Bill Kristol for School Board. Um, I have updated information. I post pretty frequently uh, about different things. I keep it updated pretty regularly and hopefully on November 8th uh, you go out and you vote for me because I'm willing to make a difference. I'm, I'm a fighter and I'm a, I'm a go-getter and I'm definitely up for the challenge of everything that's coming our way.